obviously we all know that Steve Jobs was an innovator, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, there have been other stories about how abusive he was to people, how mean he was to people. And we kind of brush that aside because of the mind. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Lainey. I'm the founder of LaineyGossip.com. I'm a talk show host in Canada and also an entertainment reporter. And man, do I need some BTS self-care right now. Hi, I'm Duanna Taha. I am a television writer and producer. And people have often asked me, what are you? Except these days they're asking, what are you? In case I might be something that would give them brownie points to have me on their production. On today's episode, we are talking about barriers to creativity specifically related to representation and diversity. The reasons why Black, Indigenous, and other people of color are not yet represented on TV screens and on film the way they should be is, as usual, complicated and systemic and, say it again, tied to money. We'll break it down. This is Show Your Work. It's fitting that uh, our topic today is um, creative barriers at work, and we have some barriers uh, uh, confronting us on this episode, the immediate logistical ones being time. Both of us are up against the clock. My dogs are eating, so out there you will hear... Water drinking dogs uh, from dogs, pitter-patter of their paws. We're really sorry. Um, We just wanted to get this done. And this is necessarily going to be part one of this discussion. We said we wanted to talk about the creative barriers uh, in Hollywood uh, that continue to perpetuate anti-Black racism uh, or other stereotypes. And so we got an email from Ashley Uh, And we're just going to use that email as a launch pad for part of it. Ashley responded to the Leah Michelle story uh, and was commenting on some other stuff that she'd read. uh, And she says, and I quote, it sounds like someone, it actually sounds a hell of a lot like Ryan Murphy, honestly, that's Ashley's editorializing, not mine claimed that her extreme dramatic behavior was in itself the asset and everyone else in the crew and cast and production had to tolerate it. So what do we do when the top person in charge, the person Marty Noxon has alluded to as the bully in chief, is deliberately selecting for that behavior and protecting it because it's seen as the feature that makes the show have value and bring in the bucks? Is that just the cost of doing business? So this is an interesting email because it kind of straddles what we talked about last week, the production of uh, the the work of production and what makes that go, and also the, the creatives, the people at the top and the decisions that they make. 
So that's where we're going to start our brief talk. And of course, this is coming out of our discussion last week when we talked about Leah Michelle. We talked about uh, what you were saying, like what assets she brought to a show like Glee, where you were like, you know, she nailed it in one take. Um, and, you know, with her vocal ability, um, there re- required, you know, very little cleanup, so to speak. What Ashley is saying is, so are we selecting for those qualities knowing that they can come with the other bad qualities that do set production back, like tantrums, allegedly, and bad behavior? And so, and this happens a lot in certain industries where, you you know, when they say, like, with genius comes, and this typically, you know, applied to men, right? With genius comes, um, I don't know, unpredictability and um, eccentrism and in, worst ca- in the worst case, abuse. Um, I think of someone, for example, like Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, we all know that Steve Jobs was an innovator, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, there have been other stories about how abusive he was to people, how mean he was to people. And we kind of brush that aside because of the mind. Uh, yeah. At best, he was heard of as a tyrant. Right. Um, and so the number one barrier is that we allow for bad behavior from the people whose brains continue to generate uh, the stories that seem addictive to people in a insanely fractured world, television wise, uh, viewership wise, uh, where things are a fraction of what they used to be. If you can achieve Ryan Murphy numbers, Shonda Rhimes numbers, things that seem almost impossible in this day and age, there's a lot of decisions that can be overlooked, a lot of problems that can be overlooked. And that goes double for, hey, Ryan Murphy or somebody else. Uh, I don't want to call out Ryan Murphy because this is not actually about him. But uh, it goes double for saying to somebody, hey, why don't you have more diversity on your show? This show seems pretty white or your characters of color uh, seem pretty two-dimensional. Uh, the more successful a person is, the less successful you might be as a network at uh, making a suggestion they actually take. Does that make any sense? Uh, you know, we all hear about network notes and how frustrating they can be. Oh, do this with this story, do this with that character. But they actually don't apply to the very, very successful types who more or less say, here's the episode I'm making. Enjoy. Uh, Thank you very much. And especially, I think that that is the freedom that Netflix has given creators, where Mm -hmm. I've heard from you, actually, and other people, but from you, that the network notes that come from the major American networks and, you know, any networks, really, um, are fewer at Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And at Apple... Uh, one of the promises that they made to creators was we will give you the money to make the shows beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, But then they did have creative notes. Netflix is absolutely famous for going, uh, could you please deliver us uh, this number of episodes on this day and not getting involved in the creative at all? So that's definitely uh, notable. 
And uh, just to give you more of an example of places where notes have been rare enough that they seem like an affront, uh, Kenya Barris famously had an episode. It seems quaint now that uh, mm-hmm. there was an episode of Blackish that was going to be about uh, the Colin Kaepernick situation, about taking a knee, right? Kaepernick. Um, yeah. And also. Do you want to take that say again? Say it again. Colin Kaep- Kaepernick. Oh, I liked that you corrected me. I thought that was good. Okay, great. Leave it in, Yasik. Um, right. Uh, but that he and the network couldn't come to an agreement on the tone of that episode to the point where he wouldn't take their notes and the episode did not air. Um, that's sort of the line in the sand that a lot of creators have. You want to mess with me? Um you know, that's kind of what they're able to do. And any really successful show that you can think of uh, has that kind of a relationship with their network, certainly after a certain point, uh, that they really know what they're doing and you as the network should get out of the way. So that's one reason why maybe your favorite show continues not to have Black characters or other people of color who are substantive. And interestingly enough, Kenya Barris um, had a deal or, you know, he was with ABC and then he now works with Netflix. His deal is with Netflix now. Um, And he has said that that was part of the reason, that episode was part of the reason. Right. Um, Now let's get to the more granular reasons why uh, actually people might not write those storylines, might not create those stories for those characters. Um, Kenya Barris obviously is an exception. He is writing for and about uh, Black people, Black families. Uh, some people think that his his shows are, are all of a certain type. But uh, fundamentally speaking, um, He's he's creating, he's not part of the problem here. However, there have been many other accusations from many other performers about roles that they've played. Uh, and so I wanted to talk a bit about how those can come to be. Yeah. I And this is, you know, your area of expertise. I, I want to get granular in terms of the ripple effects. Like we have talked extensively about having the right people in the room. You know, when you're writing certain characters, um, it's not just about wanting to include uh, black characters or indigenous characters. It's about who can write them honestly, who can come from a place of experience. On Insecure, um, they have done, oh my God, this season of Insecure. They have done something, Right. Well, if we're being honest, uh, it's been an onslaught. And after falling further and further behind, uh, I decided to just pause and binge it all now that it's finished. So I I oh, live in the world. Okay. I know what's going on. I have yep. seen Twitter. But yeah. But please go on with your point. No, what I'm saying is they've said, I mean, this season is so great and they've done such a beautiful job of capturing certain perspectives. So when they knew that they wanted to introduce Andrew, an Asian man, they knew that in order to do so, they wanted an Asian male writer in the room to be able to write this Asian male character. Um, it, it's It seems so duh. <laughs> well, um, it does. 
But uh, it does seem so duh. But even then, you're going, okay, let's have an Asian male writer in the room who then is going to write uh, to represent all Asian males. Like, of course not. Of course, the Andrew character is only the Andrew character. And uh, that writer is speaking to his experience. And Andrew is also, you know, he's a single dude in L.A. He's a lot of other things besides being an Asian man. But you're already up against it there where you're like, hey, do we need a specific person to write to this specific experience uh, and also be all things to all people? Uh, For example, uh, Never Have I Ever, Mindy Kaling's show, uh, has been criticized, even though it's, you know, it's a teen show with a South Asian lead. Uh, it's been criticized for its portrayal of uh, what it's like to be uh, an Indian teenager. And that's coming from the brains of Mindy Kaling and uh, all the the writers that she chose. And it's still going, well, actually, this is an experience. This is Davy's experience, not the experience that speaks all things for all people. But let's talk about uh, the kind of show that, you know, is on air and is well-liked, but not a huge juggernaut. And maybe they get some criticism for, uh, oh yeah, we should have more characters of color, or we only get to the character of color thing at the casting stage. That's something that happens often, by the way, that a character is written to be, you know, the antagonist or the shy one in the corner or whatever. And somebody says, well, couldn't this character be of any race? Yes, of course they could be of any race. Let's open up the casting um, to of any race. And I say that because it used to be, it's better now, but it used to be that if you did not specify, we welcome all ethnicities and abilities and so forth, that people assumed what you wanted was white people. Mm-hmm. And that if you didn't uh, specify a race, uh, that you were not likely to get more than one or two of any race that was not white. Um, so now let's say the casting breakdown opens up to of all ethnicities, right? Um, call this character, oh, I don't know, um, uh, uh, Mason, Right. Mm -hmm. And so we open it up to all ethnicities. And now we we have Mason. We cast an actor who's a wonderful black actor. Right. Yeah. Now he goes on and he's playing Mason and that's great. And the other characters are also great and everybody's happening. But we don't address Mason's blackness because there's nobody writing specifically to that part of Mason. Right. I think we've all seen shows like this. Yes. Yes. He's there. He's a black character. He is in the mix, but there's no indication of, oh, I have any sort of different experience or I might relate to the other characters differently. Then I think, uh, I think that one happens a lot. People are really proud of their uh, inclusive casting and they should be, uh, but there's nothing that is actually speaking to the black experience or the indigenous experience or the Asian experience, uh, you know, fill in the blank for the role of your choice. It's so it's it's the, it is the creative manifestation of, you know, right now, a lot of people are having, and you wrote about it on your post, um, on Monday, um, 
about how they take exception now and we we can't keep talking about I don't see color. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because for for black people, for indigenous people, for many people of color, their their color defines their lived experience. So you you when you say I don't see color, you don't see them in terms of you don't appreciate the struggle that they've had to go through, the inequality. And so when you cast, it's a different, it's a, maybe I'm not articulating myself properly, but it's a different layer of, hey, we'll write this character and this character can be any ethnicity. This character can be black, this character can be uh, South Asian, this character can be um, Middle Eastern, but it actually isn't good enough now as we're exploring further into these concepts to just be colorblind casting. It has to be deliberate in the sense of if that is, if we have true equality, the person who is best suited for the role, then you do have to consider how that person, that character would have been shaped by how they moved through the world. Yes. And I will say that um, that is more and more true for the kind of nuanced uh, peak TV roles that we all enjoy right now. I think that there was an argument to be made that if it was a, uh, oh, I don't know, a firefighting show or a medical show or something that uh, was heavy on the action and very light on the getting to know the actual characters, um, that people were able to say, well, really? They're a medical examiner. All we need to do is have them say the mm. curt and quippy medical examiner lines or whatever that is. And I will say it is still a net positive to see those roles, those um, number six on the call sheet roles, if you will, um, filled out with a variety of faces to feel as though those people aren't all white by default. Uh, the problem is that they were often uh, the diversity that stood in for, look, our show has diversity when uh, the two leads uh, were white or the, when the two leads were, well, who am I kidding? White. But when the two leads were the only ones who had any sort of character nuance, right? Because yeah. that's sort of the next level is assuming that uh, that people in lesser roles, acting wise, um, don't have nuance. That, as you say, the their perspective on the world isn't colored through the the experiences that, that they've had and the ways that they have grown up. You know, you cannot just plug in a person of color to any given story. Wow, the script is too white. Why don't we make the main character black or Asian or whatever? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and expect that that's going to be a fair representation of anything except putting uh, an actor into that role. Like you haven't actually spoken to that person's lived experience. You haven't actually crafted something that says, oh yeah, this is an accurate way that this person would see the world. Hey everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, 
you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. You know what, though? I also, at the same time, worry that even... Even the way that we're talking about this issue isn't helping the issue because we're talking about, we're using the word barrier, right? And by its very nature, you and I, you know, talk about the importance of words. When you suggest that there's a barrier, it means it's hard. And you've said a lot of times, and we have talked about creators who are, who are like, it shouldn't be hard. Um, and the, the the example that I'm I'm coming up with is when I interviewed Sandra O oh last year, and I already talked about this, I know, on this show, but it's worth revisiting because when I told it to you, I think you were really, you were like, yes, you know, on Killing Eve, really, this is a thriller, right? It's, uh, mm-hmm. the storyline is, is um, it's about this, the relationship between, between these two women. So, you know, the action really moves. It's very heavily plot driven. So we're not sort of taking time to examine Eve's like cultural past and whatnot. But as Sandra said, there are small details that they insert into the scenes with Eve that really speak to, in a very subtle way, without slapping you in the face with it, her Koreanness. you know, what she does when she enters the home. She mm-hmm. takes off her shoes. Koreans, many Asians actually, would, would never walk into a house with their shoes on. Um, she talked about taking off her character, taking a phone call from her parents, right? And just automatically switching into the language. These are, I mean, it's not, these are, this is not hard. Um, so I also want to talk about, or I also want to just make it clear that like if, when we keep talking about it as a barrier, that almost sometimes is used as an excuse for from some people to be like, oh man, it's too hard. You know, it would cost too much. And <laughs> right? Well, no, but you're right. But this is where it comes back to. It's a barrier and it's hard when it hasn't been baked in from the beginning. Um, And I talked about uh, Mason being played by a black actor, right? And the thing about Mason played by a black actor is that that character who is suddenly opened up to all ethnicities and we cast this wonderful black actor is not, that performer is not going to feel comfortable, is not going to be invited, first of all, to go through the scripts and go, is there anything here? Is there any nuance that you want us to adjust What would you like us to take a look at? Um, And certainly is not going to feel comfortable saying, hey, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I'm actually uh, Guyanese uh, and uh, not African-American. And that's how my perspective on this script is different because this or that reason. Um, that, That person has not been invited to do that most of the time. They are happy to have that job and, you know, well aware probably that, uh, that Mason in the casting sides in the pitch could as, could have as easily been Indian or Asian or white, depending on who gave the best reading. Um, so is not being put in the position to, to do that. Uh, whereas Sandra O. Oh, thankfully is is of a of a position now where she can uh make those suggestions and have them sound like suggestions we've talked a lot about how when people of color uh reference things that could be different especially creatively 
um, that they are seen sometimes as a problem, as a troublemaker, as a, hey, do we have to be doing this? Can we get on with this? Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot Don't of Don't I know reason. it. Don't I know well, it lately. <laughs> I'm sure you do. And that's sort of the, that's the thing, right? The message that is being sent to people who are not white very often is, can you stop being a problem? Mm-hmm. And can we get on the road? Or to paraphrase the great Kayla Gray, uh, TSN re- uh, reporter and anchor uh, who has been out in the forefront of discussions like these very often and recently, the implication or even sometimes the overt phrasing is, you're lucky just to be here. Subtext, stop telling us what we're doing wrong. Now, I want to be clear, that doesn't always happen. That's not always the case. And there are probably lots of people who would be delighted to make Mason into a more three-dimensional character, but they're not there. And the the usual rules apply that, uh, you know, everybody is breaking their neck to make a 12-hour day and they're going to go into overtime and the stunt isn't working and that's costing $150,000 an hour or whatever it is. Um, Mason doesn't have a chance or the actor who plays Mason doesn't have a chance to make this more three-dimensional. So it all starts with the story. Your job is literally to create stories, to create characters. They come out of your head, you build them, you create a storyline. So in this moment, like, what are you confronted with in terms of barriers and challenges? Excellent question. Um, So uh, something that comes up sometimes is that somebody comes up with a story or a pitch for a character uh, and says, hey, wouldn't it be great if they did this? Or wouldn't we, let's just for the sake of argument, say, wouldn't it be great if we had our characters protesting uh, in the, you know, in the current protests? Maybe we should do that. Uh, and then somebody else will say, yeah, but uh, shouldn't we address uh, the the experience? Are we really going to write a story about protesting from the perspective of characters who are not black. Let's assume in this instance that these characters on this show at this point, that there aren't black characters already in, in the story. Then somebody else says, well, can't we like, can't we meet somebody? Can't we create somebody and maybe include them in our world for this purpose? And then a fourth person says, "Mm, but is anybody in this room, uh, equipped to speak to that? And everybody kind of looks at each other and debates all those daunting points. And sometimes the story does not go ahead because, you know, if you, there's a lot of discussion right now about, uh, who should tell what story. And, um, I think, you know, to sort of sidestep to the publishing world for a while, I think there's been a lot of attempts in publishing for people to tell stories that they think are interesting without any sort of lived experience in those, in those, uh, lives and in those stories. Right. Yes, that's right. And, and this has been, this is not just recent, like in publishing, this has been an issue for a few years now where there have been white writers who have attempted to, because of the ongoing conversations, write characters who are, uh, 
people of color, but uh, it's either they do so and it falls flat and it becomes very offensive, which is one book this year that happened to. Or people yeah, there's a very took- famous <laughs> example of it. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, American Dirt uh, yep. is a uh, is a very lauded book um, ab- about the the uh, border crossing experience mm-hmm. uh, that ultimately was written uh, from the perspective from the perspective, I believe, of a person of color of a, a person who was uh, Mexican while the writer was, in fact, not Mexican, yeah. right? Yep. And it comes up a lot it, in, it was coming up a lot in, a, like, you know, a genre that you and I like to read in YA, right? When uh, uh, authors were trying to give their um, their characters, you know, in terms of their circles, these are young adults or teenagers, more diversity in their friend groups, but it ended up, it ended up going over in a tokenized way. Yeah. And there was even the creation of the role of sensitivity reader, uh, who was somebody who would read, um, you know, with an eye towards, Hey, I don't think you meant what you think you meant here, or you should take another look at the way this reads or so forth. Um, and perhaps, uh, in reaction to some of those conversations in publishing, uh, I feel like a lot of television and to a lesser extent film has said, well, then it's better that we don't make a mistake. Like let's step away. Um, again, it goes back to that thing of, well, we hired this writer's room to write this story. We have these six people We can't go get new writers now because they are, you know, they'd be out of our culture and they wouldn't know the rules of our show. And I will say that that is somewhat true in the sense of the way that uh, that writers rooms work now. Uh, It's it's really hard to bring somebody new in who hasn't been there for the duration, regardless of their uh, of their race or ethnicity or any sort of outlook. But it means that if you don't magically have a perfect combination of people to deal with every issue, or if there isn't a, uh, you know, a sort of a, an advocacy group set up that is specifically available for people to address their questions, um, then often those stories just stay on the table um, out of, you know, kind of good intentions. Uh, out of the intent to not do it wrong or not create a stereotype, but uh, it does go back to eh, not great visibility. But like, you know, what? that's the cycle, right? That's yes. the Mobius strip of well, we don't have those people, um, so we don't have those people to address those things, uh, and that's before we even get into the pipeline of. Uh, there should be more black indigenous and other people of color writers. uh, And there are many programs that I'm thrilled are being created to allow for that. Uh, But they, they also need to be able to not just be writers, but create their shows, uh, tell stories that we haven't seen. And yet, like I go back to insecure and I go back to queen sugar is another example. Ava DuVernay show where, 
you hear that, like, as you said, that Mobius strip where there's not enough people. We can't find them. And, like, Isa and Ava clearly have no problem staffing in front of and behind the camera from writers and directors and all of that, um, you know, tapping into this talent, this talent pool that's actually largely been ignored. So a lot of times when you hear that excuse, we just couldn't find anyone, they're just not seeing it. Yeah. And I want to be clear that most people are no longer saying, oh, they just aren't out there, those writers or that talent. Um, what they are sometimes is held down by uh, by the, frankly, the systemic racism of the industry. They are often at lower levels, not because of their skill level, but because of the way that they've been uh, shunted through diversity programs or systems or that kind of thing that don't allow them to progress in the same way. Um, but they exist a hundred percent. And, uh, so there are fewer people, uh, saying, oh, we can't find them necessarily. Uh, but I do think that we have sort of an in the moment issue sometimes of, uh, stories that people would like to tell, um, that, you know, as people come online, people don't suddenly gain, ideas and social consciousness only when they're hired for a new show and then remain static for however long that is. Um, but that, that room, that group of people may not be equipped to tell a story that comes up in the moment. Um, and actually on this front, uh, I, I think that I, I saw a tweet yesterday that really kind of summed this up very clearly. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to read a few tweets from at Lolita files. Um, and so, uh, please assume that everything coming forth from here is her parlance and her language. Uh, but she writes on Hollywood, a word, we talk about the need for more stories about blacks, people of color, which is true. We also talk about the need for blacks slash people of color in writers' rooms in general. Also true. Also true. But allow me to take this a step further, if you will. I've got a theory I'd like to posit. I argue that in addition to t us telling our stories and being in the room for yours, an all-black slash people of color writers' room could accurately and successfully write an all-white show in a heartbeat. Pick a show any show, we'd write the ever-loving shit out of it. Here's why. We've had no choice but to learn your culture and how to exist in it in order to survive, often to no avail because y'all still kill us. We've had hundreds <laughs> oh, of years God. of master classes on you. Yeah. We see you. We know you. We can, um, we can, we can end there. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a, excellent point that uh we that assuming that uh, a black person an indigenous person a person of color is there only to tell the black stories uh is also just utterly ridiculous because in fact um probably more than most uh people who are black uh, pe people of color have been doused in the dominant 
systemic white culture uh, since birth. And so, of course, they know it like the back of their hand. So, yeah. So, we're going to pick this up again next week because, obviously, it's the barriers to creativity where racism gets in the way of storytelling. I mean, we could go on and on. But also, a lot of this applies to other industries as well. Your creativity, whether you work in investments or in philanthropy or in academia, all of that is there. So let us know your thoughts so far on today's episode. And uh, we will have absolutely more in terms of more scenarios where this exists, more industries and how this applies, uh, more stories of how people have been changing these set of circumstances, uh, and more from you guys. Thanks to Ashley for kicking us off too. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and yes, continue to send us your notes and your thoughts. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.